You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. To analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, 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 from the sublime to the ridiculous. My name's Joseph Toscano. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across, across Australia, north to south, east to west, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Network or networking? No, network. <laughs> Look, I'm very grateful to the Community Radio Network for giving the Anarchist World this week a wider reach than uh, Community Radio 3CR can. Community Radio 3CR is the radio station which hosts the Anarchist World this week in its various guises for almost four and a half decades. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about this boring, lacklustre Victorian state election which is coming up. No, it's not about the war in the Ukraine. Anarchism is a very simple concept. The words anarchos from the Greek, without rulers. It's about creating a society without rulers, not without rules. Why without rulers? Rulers determine the lives of billions of people. And what allows them to determine your life and my life is a very simple concept. Inequalities in power and wealth. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is to create a society based on direct democratic principles and on hierarchical society. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. It is not based on the concept of private investment for private profit or state ownership of the the means of communication, etc., It is a very simple concept. There is nothing radical about it. It existed before the concept, the idea of anarchism even existed. It's about human beings trying to get on with their lives, with their neighbours and friends and enemies, the best way they can, making sense of the world and using our limited resources in order to survive as a species. Very simple Concept. It's extraordinary that the word anarchism is now equated with chaos. Chaos is government, is the state. They have a monopoly on power, a monopoly on the armed forces, a monopoly on the judicial system. It's that monopoly which allows the inequalities which continue in our society 
to continue ad nauseum. So the Anarchist World this week is about looking at the world the way it is and hopefully encouraging you or anybody else listening to this program, could be your alter ego, to take action in order to create that society without rulers. Whether we succeed or not is irrelevant. What relevant? What is relevant is that struggle. And that's what people seem to forget. They think it's an all or nothing struggle. And if you haven't got an anarchist society in 12 months, it's all a waste of time. It is a constant, lifelong struggle which will be taken up by the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Now, I'd like to start off with something particularly evil. And I don't use that word inadvisedly. Pharmaceutical patents. Now, as I talk about ad, or mention ad nauseum, we live in a private investment for private profit world. And nothing highlights this more than pharmaceutical patents. Now, of those of you listening to the program, at least 40% would have contacted COVID-19 by now. And at least 95% are partially vaccinated. And there's a new kid on the block, and it's the antivirals. And they're very effective. I've used them on a number of patients recently, and I've been amazed. And I've been a doctor for almost 50 years, so I've been amazed at the response. Very effective. And I was looking at a bottle of antivirals, capsules and the capsules There's, there were 40 capsules in this little uh, blasting container now when you go to your local pharmacy and you pick up a script you'll notice on the label is the cost of the medication not the cost to you because we have a pharmaceutical benefits scheme which means that most medications on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme are subsidised. Well, all, all those on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme are subsidised by the federal government. That's you and me. We are the federal government because we pay taxes. And if you think you don't pay taxes, think again. You may not pay income taxes if you're on a social security benefit, but you do pay goods and services taxes. You can be a newborn and you're paying taxes. That first day you're born when they sl slap on that first nappy or that first little bit of talcum powder, or whatever. So you do pay taxes. We all pay taxes, irrespective of whether we're billionaires. We don't pay much tax. <laughs> or whether you're on a Social Security benefit and you're finding 10% of your income goes into a goods and services tax. So we all pay taxes. So we subsidise these pharmaceuticals because we believe in the concept, that's right, that we are part of a community, we are part of society, and we have struggled for generations to ensure that in this country at least that people get access to the basic necessities, or well, that's the theory, as far as pharmaceuticals is concerned. Because if we had to pay the full price for each medication, 97% of us wouldn't be taking medications. I'll give you an example. These new antivirals, all right? I looked at the bottle because I always like to look at the cost, because that's the cost to the government, the cost to you and me. Now, the cost to me 
if you're not on a social security benefit, is about 45 bucks. And if you're on a social security benefit, it can be anywhere between 6 to 12 bucks, okay? But the cost to the federal government, you and me again, is for a, a little container of 40 capsules is $1,105.39. Don't forget the 39 cents. Now, obviously, there are restrictions on who can use these antivirals because of the cost. And the over-70s, people of uh, Indigenous background, people with multiple disabilities, can all access these medications subsidised, okay? They can access that. But what that means is that we find ourselves in a situation where if a million doses are used, and that's not unheard of, that will cost the federal government, you and me, $1 billion. And that $1 billion will go directly into the pocket of that pharmaceutical company. Fine. You save costs on hospital admissions, you save the number of people who die from COVID-19, so it's doing its job. But the fact is that these pharmaceutical giants have patents on these medications, which means they are the only ones which are allowed worldwide to produce that medication and charge whatever they like, even if it's $1,105.39 for 40 capsules. And this is something that almost every sovereign nation state has agreed to. So when people ask you, what is the cost of a life? Well, the cost of a life is basically dependent on the patent that a pharmaceutical corporation has on a particular medication and whether the sovereign nation state you belong to is willing to subsidise that medication. So what patent, pharmaceutical patents do is they kill people. They kill tens of thousands, if not millions of people every year. Because that particular company is rewarded with a patent for developing a particular medication. And this has occurred to a significant degree because the sovereign nation state has allowed the privatisation bandwagon, especially in the Western world, to privatise government-owned pharmaceutical manufacturing and creating companies like the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, which was privatised by Mr Keating in the mid-1990s. So when the COVID-19 pandemic arrived, we had no mechanism, and even if we did, we had no mechanism of producing an antiviral or vaccinations. 
And we continue as a people to find ourselves in the same situation. Now, pharmaceutical companies do not make much money from vaccinations. What they make their money from is having patents on medications that people need to use on a regular basis. And that's why we see research around the world. And let's not forget, this is not original research by these pharmaceutical companies. Most of the original research which occurs, occurs in state institutions, in universities. And they use this information, which is freely available, to create something supposedly new with those building blocks and then place a patent on it which costs the lives of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people and excludes the ability of most of the world to access these medications. So pharmaceutical patents are evil. They're evil by their very nature. It's not about having a patent on some fancy, new, bloody, useless piece of technological crap. But it's a patent on something which is necessary. And we saw this during the AIDS pandemic where a lot of effort had to be put on privately owned corporations to forego that patent to provide antivirals to tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of people on the African continent who had contracted AIDS. And we saw generations of children whose parents were lost in those pandemics, although there were antivirals available because their government was not able to afford the cost. So there's evil comes in many forms. It comes in the form of bombing civilians, whether it's in the Ukraine or Yemen or Myanmar or Tigray. But it also is institutionalised in pharmaceutical patents. And if we continue to worship at, the, at Mammon's shrine, at the private investment for private profit model, which every state government and the federal government in this country seems to geniflex to, we will continue to find ourselves in this situation where we are feeding the corporate sector for our blood. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Budget time, budget time, budget time. Three words to describe the Albanese-led Labor Party's first budget. Weak, need, crap. Weak, need, crap. Taking a leaflet. That's right. Taking a leaflet out of the 
socialist left faction of the ALP in Victoria. The federal Labor government has embarked on this policy of total capitulation to the private investment for private profit mob. Total capitulation. And if one thing the budget 2022 highlights is how important it is to resist a Labor Party agenda which is based on appeasing the corporate sector. Now, there are bits and pieces of the budget, as there are in any budget, which have some positive value. But in terms of making serious decisions about what happens to this country's resources and who profits from these resources and serious decisions about removing corporate perks, we don't see it in this budget and we will never see it in a Labor budget which is based on appeasing that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Nothing highlights the deficiency of this budget, of this federal budget, this weak need crap, than its so-called housing policy, which relies on the private sector. That's right, which relies on the private sector to assist people to have access to housing. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Unbelievably ridiculous. Unbelievably ridiculous, but we lap it up. Tax cuts for the super rich. Petrol excise, you know, uh, handouts to the corporate sector. Allowing our resources, this country's resources, this the First Nations people resources and our resources to be exploited for the benefit of a shrinking, shrinking group of billionaires. And we have private charities begging us to give them money so they can send Australian kids to public schools. Now, in case you don't realise... This year is the 150th anniversary of one of the most important developments <coughs> in Australian history, if not world history. In 1872, the Hills government, the Hills-led radical government, which occurred as a direct result of the Eureka Rebellion in 1854, introduced three compulsory secular education. That's 150 years ago. Around the state of Victoria, the first entity in the world which introduced three <coughs> compulsory secular education. 
And 150 years later in this country where this process began, we now have the ridiculous and unnecessary situation where things are so difficult for an increasing number of Australians, especially Australian children living in poverty, that we need private charities to rattle the can so we put our hands in our pocket to ensure that Australian kids get access to three secular compulsory education which was introduced 150 years ago. This is what they call progress during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation era. This is progress. Whether it's pharmaceutical patents, because we don't have a nationally owned pharmaceutical industries, whether it's been ripped off mercilessly by the financial sector and the banking sector because there is no publicly owned bank anymore in this country, whether it's seen electricity and gas prices escalate, although we're the second biggest exporter of gas on planet Earth, Think about it. Escalate. Because the state, over the last four decades, has privatised most of energy production and distribution facilities in this country. And you know who's to blame? You and me. You and me. Because nobody listened. Everybody believed the private investment for private profit mantra Let the private sector have its head. Remove the regulations which protect working people and the environment. And we will be living in the land of milk and honey. (laughs) People believed it. They believed it as if it was some type of new religion. And in many ways it is. It's the prosperity gospel, the new religion. And we all started saying, wow, 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 look at my superannuation and how it's growing. Forgetting that once upon a time the state rewarded you for working when you got old and now you pay for your own retirement with your own money. Extraordinary progress. Let's not forget this is progress. And why does this happen? You know, this is something that puzzles me. It's been puzzling me for a long time. Now, you know, I'm involved in this Toscana for Mulgrave state election campaign, which I'll speak about in a minute. But I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed, puzzled. Well, I have been perplexed and puzzled because theoretically, theoretically, I was a young person, that's right, I was a young person once, during the most radical period of Australian history in the 20th century. And that was during the Whitlam-led Labor government era, 
where unlike the Albanese government, which talks about security and being pleasant to everybody except the people who need it, reform after reform, including the creation of Medibank, to ins- and then it became Medicare, to ensure that all that ha- access to healthcare, to primary healthcare, was a right, not a privilege. That's right, a right, not a privilege. And if you told me almost 50 years ago that I'd be sitting here talking about pathetic, human-focused reforms because we had gone backwards since the early 1970s, I would have laughed at you. I would have laughed at you. So why has it happened? It's always important to look at the reasons why. Now, most of these morons, and my apologies to morons, who got a free ed- tertiary education, like me, who clawed our way out of poverty, like me, who were the beneficiaries of a radical movement which created a Labour Party agenda that was centred about looking after the needs of ordinary Australians, not the corporate sector, as we have today. This is... Why has it changed? Why is it so, as Professor Julius Sumner Miller used to say, those of you who are old enough to remember poor old Professor Julius Sumner Miller, why is it so? Well, our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, and our beloved Premier in Victoria, what's his name? The man whose name will not be mentioned on this program, what's-his-name, of the so-called socialist left faction of the ALP, whose only socialist left faction policy is looking after itself. Why is it so? Well, let's look at Mr Albanese. Now, I've got nothing against Mr Albanese, except one thing. And I like to compare myself to Mr Albanese, not that I have ever reached the dizzy heights of power that he has and which I will ever reach. Now, Mr Albanese likes to let us know that he was brought up by a single mum on Social Security benefits, that he came from public housing, that he, through his own efforts, was able to access education. Good luck to him. Now, there are millions of Albanese's, both male and female in-betweens, binary, non-binary, out there in the community, millions of them, who did the same thing. They clawed themselves from from poverty by utilising a free tertiary education, by using that education to aspire, that wonderful word, aspiration, to better things. But there is one 
problem between you, me, Mr Albanese and his ilk. They have forgotten where they came from. They have forgotten where they came from. They turn their backs on their community. They turn their backs on their ideas of fairness. They turn their backs on their radicalism and their reformism. And they now sing at the foot of the altar of Mammon, the private investment for private profit crowd. This budget was an excellent opportunity for Mr Albanese and many other members of his cabinet and government to have begun the struggle to put things right, to remember where they came from and why they made good. Nobody makes good through their own efforts. It's always a coalition. Whether you're aware of it or not, we stand on each other's back to achieve specific goals. And there is nothing wrong with that. But when you forget where you came from, that is a sin. It's not a sin against God or humanity. It's a sin against yourself. I pity these people. They aspire to a better life. They use the legislative agenda that was in place to reach that goal and then they forget where they came from and how they got to where they were. And then they send their kiddies to private schools and then they think about their wonderful retirement with their wonderful superannuation payments and whether they're politicians or not is irrelevant. What is relevant is the mindset which is created in our community which is described as aspirational, which that mindset, which negates where you came from, that struggle, and how that escalator, that socially created escalator, that legislative creative legislator, Escalator got you to that point. And once you get to that point, you walk away without looking back. Although, if it suits you, you may remember, but do nothing about it where you came from. Think about it. If you're in that category, if you're in that bracket, I pity you. I pity you because what you have done is you have walked away from your responsibility as a human being 
to better, not just the life of you and your family and friends, but better the life of the community as a whole. And everything that I see in this budget, well, I'll I'll rephrase, almost everything I see in this budget, except for access to three TAFE, highlights the fact that most people in government have forgotten where they came from. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscana. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. You can access the program via podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, Victorian state election. Now, I know state elections are particularly boring. But they don't have to be boring. And they want us to think they're boring, all right? You see, they don't care if you protest, come out once a week like we do for public housing, everybody's business. They don't care. They really don't. And they don't care if you have a big mass demonstration occasionally. It just shows you what a free society we live in. You know, they're not kind of trunching you on a daily basis. You know, they don't particularly care. But they do care when you rain on their parade. They do care when you muscle in on their little extravaganza every three to four years, their little parliamentary festival. Now, next week I'll be broadcasting under different circumstances because of what's called the Electoral Act in Victoria. And as I'll be hopefully running as a candidate, it's uh, going to be a different ball game. But I'll talk about that next week. So why bother? The reason to bother is very simple. And the reason to bother is to rain on their parade. Now, the so-called socialist left faction of the Victorian Labor government is only interested in one thing, power. They're not interested in human-focused responses. And if we look, again, at topics like food security and energy security and housing security and education security and recreation in the state of Victoria, you'll find that it's lacking. And it's lacking for one very good reason, because the Victorian ALP over the last eight years has conducted a beautiful, wonderful construction-led recovery campaign. You see, when you build things, people see it with their eyes and they say, action, 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 something is happening. That's what happens. You build things for the sake of building things. So what the Victorian Labor Party has been able to do is form a cosy, very, very, very cosy relationship with the construction sector, the construction corporation giants in this state, of Victor- in the state of Victoria. It happens around the country. And this alliance allows it to hold on to power without addressing... That's right. 
without addressing the basic human needs of Victorians. For example, food security. It's extraordinary in 2022, October 2022, we have people in this state who do not have enough to eat and many of them are children. So the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign is not about having me elected as the member for Mulgrave. I have a snowflake's chance in hell of being elected. But it's about skewing government policies as they look at the concept of satisfying basic human needs. For example, at the last state election, we held a 10-day public housing protest on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. 24 hours a day, 10 days, we kept up the banner, public housing, everybody's business. And we put placed so much pressure on the state government, they promised to build. And the key word was promised to build a 1,000 new public housing units. Haven't built one. They've continued their privatisation agenda. And I owe it, being the organiser of that campaign, that campaign. I owe it to those people involved in that campaign four years ago to ensure that this government is held to account. And that is one of the reasons for the Toscano for Mulgrave campaign. Food security. What do we offer? Food voucher. $150 for every adult, $75 for every child living on a social security benefit. These food vouchers to be spent in food-orientated micro and small businesses which are registered with the Victorian state government. It's good enough to give people a rebate for having a fancy meal in a fancy restaurant. Isn't it good enough to use the same system to provide food vouchers for people? Energy security. Why not have publicly owned green sustainable energy production facilities in every suburb, in every regional town in this state. That's how you get security as far as energy is concerned. You have the infrastructure which is publicly owned, not privately owned, public housing. Every government at every state and federal level squibs out of the possibility of providing public housing as if public housing is some type of evil, infected concept. Having a strong public housing sector, as I say ad nauseum on this program, introduces competition into the private sector. We need public housing. If we can find $35 billion to build 28 kilometres of underground railway, why can't we use half, about $3.5, $4 billion every year, of the taxes which are levied on people, you know, levied on people when they buy a new home for public housing? You could house 100,000 Victorians in public housing every year. You don't even have to build one. You can actually spot purchase. You know, as the private private investors run away, as rents decrease, as more and more people go into public housing and don't need to go into private rental, 
public education. Well, we all know about how ridiculous things are. And recreation. Recreation. Some people in this state never have a holiday. Some people in Australia never have a holiday. Why don't we have vouchers? Maybe $1,000 every four years for every adult, 500 for every child. Give people an opportunity to explore the state they live in. You know, use it in that particular state. Help the tourist industry. There's lots of things we can do. But the key is, how do we find the money? Now, obviously, on a federal level, it's a different matter because, obviously, federal parliament has much more power in terms of levying taxation than state governments. But this is the thing about this current state election and the last federal election and the current federal budget is there is no structural reform. How do you get the money? Well, it's very simple. You want to institute these things that I've been talking about? You can go to the Toscano for Mulgrave uh, webpage. It's very simple. How do you get the money? 1% super land tax on landholders, individuals, businesses and corporations who own more than $5 million of property in Victoria. You can do that tomorrow. Don't need blood in the streets. Legislation. 1% rent tax on individuals, businesses and corporations who pay more than $5 million in rent annually because, see, a lot of business don't own infrastructure for that very reason. Bang. Look at the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars you can collect there. And a 1% turnover tax on businesses and corporations who use virtual platforms who pay minimal rent and payroll tax if they have a turnover of more than $5 million annually. Simple. The gig economy. These new pirates. The gig economy. The 19th century economy where everybody is an individual contractor with no rights. I see them whizzing up and down in their little bicycles trying to make a buck for these platforms. Why don't we hit them hard with taxes? Well, if you're interested in these ideas, go to the Toscano for Mulgrave Facebook page. Toscano for Mulgrave. You'll see the policies there. We're on the process of distributing 30,000 leaflets um, in the electorate of Mulgrave, which is the Premier's, the man whose name shall not be mentioned on this program, uh, the pre- Victorian Premier's electorate. Let's put a bit of pressure on the Victorian Premier. Let's see the Victorian state governments change its philosophy from privatising everything that's not nailed down, from supporting, giving their wholesale support into the construction corporate sector and possibly possibly, just possibly, talking about some human, human-focused human reforms to assist people, food security, housing security, energy security, education security, recreation, and the list goes on and on. So if you are interested, then I encourage you. I mean, I'm just one person. Just a little leaf in the universe, just one person. But when one leaf connects to another leaf and connects another leaf, well, then you can become a, a problem. So if you're interested in letterboxing, this Sunday, the 30th of October, that's right, this Sunday, the 30th of October, contact me. Well, no, don't contact me. Just turn up. 
9am to 6pm, Springvale Railway Station. I'll be sitting under the palm trees with huge boxes full of leaflets and maps. Introduce yourself, we'll give you a map, we'll give you a bundle of leaflets, and off you trape into the wilderness, letterboxing. Interesting way to meet people. If you don't want to talk to people, you don't have to talk to them. So this Sunday, the 30th of October, next Sunday, the 6th of November, 9am to 6pm. You don't have to email, you don't have to Facebook, you don't have to ring up. Turn up. And that's the key. Turning up. And let's see if we can change the agenda regarding this particular state election in Victoria. And I encourage you, anywhere around Australia, when a state election pops up or a local election pops up, think seriously of running. Not because you're going to be elected, but because somehow you'll be able to influence the agenda. Move away from the current private investment for private profit model to a model which is based on the satisfaction of basic human needs. It is, it is a tragedy that in 2022 the radicals like myself have to be involved in these campaigns to bring forward the concept of actually having reforms which benefit the population, not the big end of town, the population as a whole. just extraordinary. Because, see, to a large degree, we find ourselves in this situation because of the role of government in the 21st century. Now, traditionally, government was basically an organisation which had a monopoly on the use of force which used that monopoly to ensure that those who exercised power and held wealth continued to exercise power and held wealth. Nothing highlights this more than the history of the British monarchy and the way hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of tens of millions of people were sacrificed for the British monarchy. Nothing highlights this. And around the world, we find the same situation. The same situation. So that was the role of government. That was its role. Maintain the status quo through a monopoly on the use of force. And if anybody bucks the system, kill them in the most inhumane, evil way possible to set an example to the rest of the plebs. Then we had the 19th and 20th century, the year, you know, the century of revolution and revolt. And we saw that the state, those people who had a monopoly on the use of force, were no longer able to rattle the nationalist, you know, rantings, no longer can, no longer able to rattle the religious can or the race can to maintain themselves in power, as people were talking about, you know, a more egalitarian community, a little bit of power, like the Eureka Rebels on the 3rd of December 1854. So what happened? 
as more pressure was placed on government through revolts and revolutions and reform movements, we saw the state take on a benevolent role towards its citizens. And things like universal health care, the creation of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, and the list goes on and on, social security benefits. Not in all the world, but certain parts of the world, where the state began to take some direct responsibility for its the protection, not just from external invasion, but for protection of people's basic human needs. And then came the new revolution, the private investment for private profit Taliban, waving their little flag, waving their little flag with their gold standard sticking to their little flag, telling us that we were in a terrible situation because the state was beginning to look after the interests of ordinary people and we needed deregulation to free up the economy. We needed corporatisation to allow small companies to become big companies and destroy smaller companies. We needed globalisation so we could buy our $5 T-shirts from some sweatshop where somebody was paid nothing or a dollar a day. And we needed to give to the private sector all those wonderful things that had been created by the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australia's things like a universe, things like energy security, health security, and the list goes on and on. And that's where we are today. The state is reverting back to its original function. It uses its monopoly on force it enjoys to ensure not our political representatives but the puppets, not our puppets, you know, but those who pull the parliamentary strings, that small sexual society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, continues to pull the parliamentary strings. And it's not just a matter of brute force. It's a bit more sophisticated. It's a matter of thinking that you're totally powerless, that you're resigned to the fact that nothing will ever change, There's no point in struggling. There's no point in being involved in anything because you're going to fail. No wonder, no wonder there are so many depressed, zombie-like human beings on the planet, especially in this country today, when people think that there is no point. And that's that's the aphrodisiac of those that control society. That's their aphrodisiac, your cynicism. Your resignation to the fact that things will never change. But obviously, listeners to the anarchist world this week are different. That's why you listen to the anarchist world this week. It's not just about, you know, getting a warm inner glow because you're listening to something that's a little bit different, but it's about actually getting organised, getting mobilised, joining things, doing things, helping people to achieve a little bit more. You know, as they say, you can give somebody who's begging on the streets ten bucks and maybe they'll have a feed for a day or school, whatever they want to do for that day, but there's the same problem tomorrow. But if you have changes 
to political legislation, if you have changes, legislative changes, which deal with that problem, you solve the problem for years, if not decades. All right, National Disability Insurance Scheme. Now, everybody's talking about the fact that it's unsustainable. And I'll tell you why it's unsustainable. It's been sabotaged. It's been sabotaged by state and local governments which have removed any support they had for locally financed and resourced facilities and resources for the community. It's been sabotaged by a corporate sector that's been given its head to rot the system. It's not sabotaged by the people who need the help. When you see less than 40 cents in every dollar which goes into the system actually going to help the people who need the help directly, you understand there is something horribly wrong with the private investment for private profit mantra which is used to ensure that the National Disability Insurance Scheme works and it's the same in every other field of human endeavour. Think about it. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can look at the Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, Toscana for Mulgrave, Public Housing Everybody's Business, Defend and Extend Public Housing, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest today. Go to the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can join online. Nothing is stopping you except yourself. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The program is produced by Kelly Whitworth. My name's Joseph Toscana, and hopefully we'll be broadcasting to you next week on the Community Radio Network. We value the fact that you take the time to listen. I value the fact that you access the podcast but what is important is not just listening accessing the podcast what is important is to ensure that other people listen other people access the podcast so they can be involved in activities not just what we promote but other activities around the country because ultimately Whether we survive or not as a species, whether things change, ultimately depend on what we do. To be resigned, to be cynical, is a mistake. It is the aphrodisiac of those who continue to exercise power in our society. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. See you on the 30th, 9am to 6pm, Springvale. Railway Station, Melbourne. Destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Brainwash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.